Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Really? No, really? Really? No, really? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another fine edition of the podcast that is Sweeping America, mopping America. What are we sweeping? Is dust, cleaning dust analogy? Dusting America. <laughs> Sucking up, uh, kicking dirt. Our little do? show is called Really No Really, a podcast where I, Jason Alexander, and my friend and co-host, Mr. Peter Tilden, we explore things that make us go, really? No, really. That's the, exactly what we do. So Peter and I were recently talking about projecting forward. What, what do we think we'll be like when we're older? And it's not going to be pretty. Frankly, we, we can't get much older than we are. Oh, and right also, we that can't door get crankier. We complain about everything. Right. We oh, are complaining. I already have aches and pains that I'm not enjoying. The hair keeps going. I didn't think I could lose more hair, but it's going more. Mine, the belly ears, is growing. I'm shaving my ears as much as I'm shaving everywhere I'm clipping inside yeah. the nose. Yeah, yeah. I have a bad attitude about everything. And everybody we know that's going through this is, has become the most miserable bunch of people on the planet. There's a reason young people don't want to be near us. We're we're not pleasant. Yes. Well, by the way, my wife doesn't want to be near us. So, uh, 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 general, well, that has nothing to do with your age, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We are. We we have in our studio today a gentleman who is the antithesis of everything I was just talking about. Absolutely the opposite. Now I'll save his name for the end because you absolutely know him and you've known him. All your life, as have I. Um, a multiple award winner, Golden Globes, Tonys, Grammys, Daytime Emmy, Primetime Emmys. He's in the Television Hall of Fame. He's on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's got a Screen Actors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award. He should, frankly, have 20 of them. Uh, he's uh, a Kennedy Center Honor recipient. Uh, I'll just name the big ones. National Treasure. Uh, Mary just... Poppins, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the comic, and his own titular. The hell are you so? Show. The Dick Van Dyke Show, in our studio today, a legend and someone who I really am. Just, I, I, I pinch myself and I'm amazed and I go, I, I know this man. Uh, say hello, uh, Peter, to uh, Mr. Dick Van, Van Dyke. Dyke and his lovely wife, it's Arlene. It's such a pleasure. And to Jason's point, I don't think I've ever seen you not happy and not joyous. 
you always seem. So we'll talk to Arlene about that so in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Want to say, ask, the, ask her. No, but that's how. That is who. That's what you put out. That's the vibe that you put out. And much like my partner here, when people see him because of the role he played on Seinfeld, it doesn't matter where we are in the world, they break into a smile. And yeah, the same thing with true. you. Everybody's, Isn't that nice? It's joy. It, it's it's an amazing way to go through the world. But yeah. but you know, mine is because I played the biggest schmuck in the world and they're, and they're so happy. but for you it's because th there is real joy you know there there was intended joy and particularly in your career you got to them when they were very young yeah and they have carried that that connection with you all their lives so i have to imagine when when people see you and they light up. It, it, you know, it's wonderful. It, is it's, it a great way to oh, go through life? Greatest feeling in the world. And Dick, do you ever feel like you have to? Can you have a bad day out there? Can you? Can you ever not give them back what they're hoping for? No, I always do that. But at ninety-seven, sometimes I don't have good days. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Look at you now. But but still, not in the tabloids. I've never seen you negative. I don't. Did you hang out with the Hollywood crowd? Because. This is a no, really. I don't know any Hollywood. Everybody I knew in the business is dead. <laughs> I, All right, well, that's really. depressing. Okay, wow. <laughs> and clearly, he's the not only referring guys to me. <laughs> Norman Lear, yeah, who's a hundred, right? And uh, uh, Mel Brooks, I saw Mel you. Brooks. Mel, Mel Brooks, Mel. who's about a year younger than I. The three of us are the only survivors. That's that's true. I mean, that's my my mom uh, passed away a few years ago, but she was ninety eight yeah. when she passed, and. I, I, one of the things I want to talk to you about today is, you know, you exude this joyfulness. You really do. And your career reflects so much of that. But you've gone through some really hard stuff. Oh, yeah. Really hard stuff. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you today because, uh, you know, we're all going through hard stuff. People <laughs> go through hard stuff. But you managed to get to this joyful place, even at a challenging age like 97, where your world, the, the people that you've, lived your life with are starting to leave us or have left yeah. us. The world gets smaller and smaller. We talked about that a little bit. And yes, I, if I'm at 63, I've got little aches and pains and things where I go, this is not going well. <laughs> I, I mean, so how do you, what, to the extent, what is the secret of your joie de vivre? If there, if well, there is a secret. A, a beautiful young wife that yeah. helps. Who is a doll and a great sense of humor. And we sing. We're a duet. We sing together, and it's it's just it's great. I'm having a second uh, youth, really. I'm having such a ball. I work out three days a week. I go to the gym, and I wrote a book called Keep Moving, you know, about exercising. And when I see, I always feel old until I see somebody else my age, and then I feel pretty good. Yeah. Because you know, oh, guys, right? Yeah, and you're not, I, you know, Jason said, I had lunch with Dick. I said, did he do a jig? Did he dance? He said, how did you know? I said, because he always, anytime I've been around him, he does a jig, and you're that, you're that mobile still too, which is amazing. And I don't know how much that hurts. I just <laughs> said when you sat down, I said when you get older, it used to be when you got up is when you made noise. Now it's when you sit down. When you sit down, even that's <laughs> not ways, easy. Yeah. But yeah. back to the Hollywood thing and and your joy. How did you navigate that world? You got a three picture deal with United Artists. You had a show named after you. Your first yeah. sitcom has your name and in the not title. Not only named after you, but I only recently found out that Carl wrote it for himself. Yeah, Carl was And after he did the pilot, they oh, went, yeah. nope. <laughs> you never saw the pilot? 
I never saw oh, the pilot. It's not very good. <laughs> no. It really isn't very good. Carl just was not a good actor. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he could do comedy, but somehow he was never believable. He was wrong. Pretty know? amazing. But Dick, so in a tough business, you got a sitcom that Carl Reiner was supposed to star in, and they put your name. How did that happen that your name ended up on they the They couldn't sitcom? think of a title. <laughs> we sat, we worked and worked, we could not think of a title. So the, And then the first year, nobody ever heard of me. And we were on against Perry Como, and they canceled us. And Sheldon Leonard, who was the, the producer, yeah. went to Cincinnati and talked to the P&G guys and talked them in to let us. Are you serious? Said they Otherwise, we would have disappeared. Amazing. Now, wait. So in the first year of the show, it wasn't, it wasn't responding with audiences? No. We were on against Perry Como, and he got all the Oh, and he was just, he was just taking the audience. It. Oh, I got and you. They kept saying, who's, who's Dick Van Dyke? And right. Kept, yeah. Or Rosemary right. said, what is a Dick Van Dyke? What, yeah, what is a Dick <laughs> Van Dyke? But amazing how that, what that did for your career. Right away. It's such history. And, and what you guys accomplished, it was such an iconic show. And I understand he wrote six episodes so everybody would know what what the roles were, right, for the first the season. The first season, 36. he wrote all 39 scripts. 39. The 39 episodes a season. That alone is... Oh, yeah, back man. then. Wow. Wow. And then we got some really good guys, Sam Danoff and Bill Persky. Great writers. Yeah. Such fun. And I always got to help, you know. I could come up with a line. Thirty. I'm just trying to think 39 episodes. But not only was it 39 episodes. Oh. Now, sure, half the show was a family show. You know, the family right. with you and, and Mary Tyler Moore. But the other half was really inside baseball. What's it like inside a, a TV comedy writing room? Nobody would do that today. No. They would go, it's too inside. Nobody's going to care about it. <laughs> and, by the way, for that time period, Rosemary yep. was the first portrayal of a single female that didn't need a guy, that wasn't making dinner for somebody. It was so ahead of its time, though. Another piece of trivia, because I heard you sing it. Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. More Amsterdam wrote lyrics to that That's song. That's right. He wrote, he wrote lyrics for it. Do you remember them? Oh, sure. Yeah. Can you do them yeah. a little? So you think that you got trouble. Well, trouble's a bubble. So tell them Mr. Trouble to get lost. Why not hold your head up <laughs> high and stop crying, start sighing, and don't forget to keep your fingers crossed. When you know the joy of living is loving and giving, you'll be there when the winning dice are tossed. A smile is just a frown that's turned upside down. So smile and your frown will defrost. And don't forget to keep your fingers crossed. Do -do -do. Do -do -do. Is that, <laughs> that amazing? Is that great? Bravo. And by the way, for a second, more Amsterdam's estate just got 23 cents. <laughs> right. From the, so somebody went, wait a minute, a ding went somebody. And much like Seinfeld, there's so many parallels, Jason, as far as Tony winners and as far as Jory. Carl decided after five years to pull the ball. They never wanted to go past five. Like Jerry didn't want to go past yeah. nine. That could that show could have gone on, correct? Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, well, Carl was the only one that didn't want to go on. He wanted to move on into movies and everything. And was oh, that... the rest of us were so oh, sad. Yeah. What we was what were on. you what were you thinking when when you're on a joyous hit show and the boss wants to pull the plug? What what were you, I mean? Did you go? That's it. I'm done. I'm I'm finished. Oh yeah. I didn't know what we were going to do. Everybody. And you, Mary Tyler Moore. But you had the movie. You had Mary Poppins in between those five oh, years. I did Poppins. Yeah. <laughs> that helped. During the break. That would be a big was help. That, was that during the run of the show? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Right. And That's right. We, during the, the time off we shot, it only took four months. Chitty Bang Bang took over a year. Really? <laughs> 
we couldn't find any sun in England. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sure. Always waiting for the, the, the light to yeah, get right. a shot. Yeah. Wow. You shot in the, the France. The great thing with me was I always wanted to be an entertainer, but you know what happened to me? I, I wanted to be a working actor. What happened to me is still I'm shocked that I had such wonderful things happen to me. I, I, and, iconic things happen. And when you were beginning yeah. as an entertainer, because I know you did, uh, you did a pantomime act with with a partner, right? With a partner. And you were uh, uh, a radio host, right, or a television host of some. Yeah, I was early a, on? a radio announcer at seventeen. During the war, everybody got drafted, right? And I got to be a radio announcer at seventeen. And I thought that was the future, you know. And did you do CBS Mornings too? Were you on the CBS Morning Show for a while? Yes, that's unbelievable. For a year, I did it, and there was no network to the coast. It was an hour and a half show. We'd do it once and then do it again. I had to do it twice. So was the second time better? Second time better? (laughs) (laughs) And Walter Cronkite was my newsman. Oh, that hack? That hack? (laughs) Okay. What happened to him? Back when they, you know, voices meant something on television. Jeez. And he would, they transferred him to evening, of course. And he thought he was fired, and he came to me and said, Dick, what did I do? I said, you, schmuck, I can't fire anybody. You know what? I love it. When Dick said, schmuck. Dick Van Dyke to me saying, schmuck. He's, he's That's the, the world to you, isn't it? It's the world to me. Yeah. But, but Dick, that takes me back to, so the reason I was saying, you know, you started in a pantomime act, and then you were doing, you know, sort of announce work. When did musical comedy, singing and dancing, and I, I think you told me a story that when you got Bye Bye Birdie on Broadway, you hadn't really danced. No. So how did all that, who said, I can get this guy to dance? Because you're an iconic dancer. Gower Champion. I was looking for work. I was auditioning for everything except maybe opera and <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> I, I tried out for Tom Poston beat me out of a couple of things. I went in and sang a little song. Once in love with Amy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ray Bolger. Once in, in love, love with Amy. did a little right. bit of a soft shoe. And I think Gower saw himself on the park. We were exactly the same oh. size and shape. Yeah. And he came up on the stage and he said, you've got the part. And I said, Mr. Champion, I can't dance. I don't dance. He <laughs> said, I'll teach you. And he did. It was like learning to fly. It was amazing. Such, my God, it was great. Yeah. I, I mean, I worked with Cheetah on Broadway. Is she something? Oh. What were you in with her? I was in a show with her and Liza Minnelli called The Rink. They played a mother and daughter. Oh, yeah. wow. And was she a fireball or what? Oh, she's she's my idol. She's my idol. She carried me in that show. Well, you would so you tell strong. the story of put on a happy face? Do you remember what you told me? Well, yeah, but I just read her book. I'm reading it yeah, too. Yeah, because uh, we were in Philadelphia yeah. doing tryouts, and they came in with put on a happy face for Cheetah. Yeah, and my impression was that she said Dick's got nothing to do in the first act. Why don't you let him have it? So I've always credited her. But in the book, she says they took the song and gave oh, it to Dick. Oh. And she says, was I miffed? No, because I had a lot of other things to do, which uh, is not the story I knew. Yeah. Well, I wow. thought Cheetah gave it to me. Well, you know what? That's because the Cheetah we know would have given it to you, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, but what's, what's so fascinating to me is not only did you learn to dance, but but... It's almost as if you have your own unique style and your choreographers have figured out how to put a world of dance on you. Yeah. I think if I'd had training, 
I, it wouldn't have been as as unique. You would have been like but everybody else. I, yeah, yeah, I just had own my style. own moves. And there's a joy to that too. And by the way, oh God, I know yeah. that you love Stan Laurel, and, and and you can see some of that in everything that you do. Oh. And you did get to be friendly with him at one point, right? Yes, I did. And he noticed that I pulled his act. Really? He got it? Yeah. He really pointed it oh, out and yeah. said, that's, that's mine, that's mine. Oh, yeah. Wow. Where was he when you met him? Was he in a picture home or was he retired? No, he was on at the Oceana Apartments in Santa Monica. And then I got to meet uh, Buster Keaton also, spent a day with him. Oh, Wait, my God. Tell, tell how you found them, because you told me... I was looking through the Santa Monica phone book one day for a number, and it, there it was, Stan Laurel. <laughs> in the phone book, I just called him up, and he invited me over. And then, what's, what's, and then I got to ask you briefly about the alcoholism, because you talked about it before, and people hear about it, you admitting the alcoholism that you went. Oh, yeah. Back at that point in time, that was pretty brave and oh, pretty yeah. amazing to do, because that could have tanked you, could have had the public who saw you one way completely changed their attitude about you it's not like today where people are brave coming out about their addictions yeah. and and exactly. victim is a thing this was a major hmm. thing how did you decide dick that you were going to go public with that well i just thought i should you know i've knew so many people who couldn't get out of it i had i was in my 30s and i didn't drink i moved to a neighborhood out in the island where they had parties every saturday and i started to drink with them before i knew it i was Hung up on this stuff. I couldn't believe it. Same with smoking. Jeez. But did you use it? Did yeah. you use the alcohol because you had nerves for performing? Did it help? Uh, no. no. No, I never drank at work or before work. Socially. So it wasn't no. about performance. Socially, he's shy. Yeah. But so it was perform. all social stuff. So it, yeah. it, do you feel like it, it did not ever have an impact on your work? No, I don't think it did. I remember a couple of times, what was I doing? Music man. I was all, I did it for a year yeah. on the road and a couple of times we'd go out at night and I'd have a hangover the next day. Right. And doing trouble. <laughs> yeah. Hangover is. That is, that is trouble. <laughs> so that's even more interesting to me because, because it wasn't impacting your work. You had to assess, I don't want this in my life. Yes. It, it wasn't that you weren't going to make a paycheck. It was that you just got to a point where said, oh, oh, no. this is not what I want to be doing. You, uh, you go, uh, an alcoholic will go from a happy drunk eventually into a mean drunk and an unhappy guy. And I was getting testy yeah. and I just hated it. Didn't right. That. Trying to quit smoking. That was twice as hard. Have as you ever alcohol. smoked? I've yeah, never smoked. Oh, it, much worse than the alcohol. How long did it take? Uh, forever. Mm -hmm. I'm still chewing oh, oh, yeah. still? The uh, gum, the nicotine gum, and it's 50 years, I think. But I went to a place called Schick, where you they put you in like a, a phone booth with a big tub of sand, and you have to sit in there and smoke an entire pack of cigarettes as fast as you can. And you begin to get dizzy and everything. And I finally fear said they let me out, and I said, boy, that was, and I lit a cigarette. And so they gave me my money back. Wow. Wait a minute. They put you in a boy, phone booth with sand. That was their whole act? That was the whole deal? <laughs> that was that was how they were going to break you, and it didn't work. <laughs> what, so so oh did God. you do, so you did, a, for people that don't know, you did a movie called Cold Turkey, which is about a town that's trying to go cold turkey on cigarettes because yes. they're going to they're gonna be paid to do it. Was that while you were a smoker, after, before? It was, uh, I had come to Norman with an idea for one guy, 
and he couldn't whip it, so he made it a whole town. We were both trying to quit, and he had a room full of local people. It was supposed to be smoke-filled, and everybody was smoking. One lady was not holding it right, and Norman said, no, you have to. And I saw this. His eyes, uh-huh. He smoked a pack of cigarettes. Oh, my God. <laughs> but we finally both quit during that, during that period. Well, God, you, that was fun. If yeah. you look back to the 50s and 60s, by the way, they had ads with doctors smoking cigarettes and saying how good it was. Oh, so yeah. it was that was also a different time <laughs> yeah. on how to promote yeah. that stuff. You so, did yeah. commercials for that. Mary and I did a commercial for Kent. And my God, do we regret that. Uh, who it's knew? Standies, Nobody knew, right? Standies of you. The smoke coming out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I read that early on, you considered potentially going into the ministry. Yeah, I was right? very much involved. I, I, uh, out in Long Island, I taught Sunday school uh-huh. and moved out here and became an elder in the Presbyterian Church there on San City. And I got so involved. I, they have a layman Sunday where a member of the congregation gets up and does a sermon, which I did. All of a sudden, I'm being invited to Pasadena and <laughs> churches everywhere. And I said, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I came and I, I kind of walked away from organized religion. I got but a little you, bit too much you, into it. Do you still have what you would think of as a profound faith or a profound spirituality? Yeah, I think so, yeah, just instinctively. As a kid, I never believed the Noah story or any of that. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, there's something in me that says it's true. You know, I don't know whether you live after death or anything of the kind. There's some kind of central intelligence. I just, it's a sense. I don't know why. And was was that connection to the spirituality, was that helpful at all during the times when you were trying to quit drinking or quit smoking or getting through the tough No, I don't stuff? remember asking for help. <laughs> Really? That that may have been an issue for you, Dick. Even even when he's talking about addiction, he's got joy. But you know what else Dick does? Because I lived in Malibu for a long time, and they don't publicize stuff unless a star does something negative. He shows up at the labor center all the time and hands out money to people and doesn't say anything, doesn't publicize it. I think he did 20, I don't know if you're still doing it, 20 years or 30 years. Yeah. You 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 got on the Midnight Mission. The Midnight Mission and the homeless Mm -hmm. shelters. I I carry a lot of fives with me. Yeah. And if I see a homeless guy, I, I pass out yeah. five. Who does Tell the story of the, the guy that you gave the five to. Oh, my God. <laughs> You'll have to bleep this. I walked up to an old guy the other day and handed him a five dollar bill. He said, God, <laughs> Dick, I'm not homeless. I'm your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, well, clean yourself up. <laughs> Wow. You didn't. <laughs> what was he doing? What was he doing when you gave him the five? He was just standing on the street. Oh, my God. He looked sweet. awful. I'm, <laughs> you know, that when I lived in New York, there was a, a homeless guy. It was a, a regular, but a homeless guy on the corner. And his whole shtick was, give me a dollar. I'll tell you a joke. <laughs> so I gave him a dollar one time and he told me a joke. And I went, well, that was a terrible joke. And he said, well, that was a one dollar joke. Now you give me a five dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... 
We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Is it true Gregory Peck got the role because you turned down The Omen? I did. (laughs) Why did you do that? I did. I, at the time, I, uh, the, the movie struck me as really downbeat, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. A little. And it was. Devil child. Well, worse than that, when I finished uh, <laughs> Chitty Bang Bang, Sean was leaving the Bond series. And Cubby came to me and said, would you like to be Bond? And I said, have what? you heard my, my British accent click? <laughs> 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 that fast, I blew that. Would you like to be... Oh, now, listen, your, Brit- your Cockney accent has taken a lot of crap over <laughs> well, the years. Well, I never had one. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Actually, I will tell you, as someone who has studied dialects, it wasn't as bad as you make it out to be. It was... What I would say was, it sounded a little bit like someone who had learned how to do it and was still thinking about it, you know, <laughs> as opposed to it was just natural to them. I have an excuse. Yeah? <laughs> they sent me a guy uh, to teach me named Pat O'Malley. Uh-huh an actor who was Irish. He came to my house after dinner one night, spent two hours with me. That was it. 
And that's and then all they the sent training you off. I had. Oh my God! What I couldn't understand: everybody I worked with on that movie was British, and nobody said. Well, that's why, yeah. I was always saying, why wouldn't why wouldn't Julie lean over and go? It's actually don't say the H on that one, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, or whatever. I, yeah, nobody would help me. I well, you know what they because they're British, you know as well as anybody. The Brits don't like to like yeah. insert themselves <laughs> in people's affairs. You the know, British so. are a lot nicer to me than the Americans are. Wow. On Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, people may not know that Ian Fleming, who wrote James Bond, wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Mm -hmm. And when you said Cubby Broccoli produced it, that's the producer for the yeah. James Bond yeah. shows. That movie is Waldau wrote the script. Right? Waldau wrote the Wald script. But it, that's that movie could have been made written by somebody on psychedelics. Yeah. Right? That movie, when you read that script, didn't you go, what am I looking at? <laughs> I know. Cause the we argued about when we get, uh, you know, with Baron Bomberst and the castle and everything. <clears throat> yeah. Is this in our imaginations or is it really happening? And we never really cleared it up <laughs> either it's way. And kids, I would watch it and you go, what am I? Wow. What am I? Like, kids Timothy, love it. Timothy <laughs> Leary. fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. You know what? Jason has people come up to him that have tattoos of his head as George. Oh, yes. What are, do they have? What's the strange fan stuff? Fans. What's the they, strangest thing that fans oh, have shown you or well, done? I, I had a lady with who had my face on her arm. Yeah? Oh, jeez. Yeah. I can't dish it. Hey, so, you know, we talked for, you've worked with a lot of kids, but what really strikes me, because I keep trying to do it too, is you work with your kids. You, you've put family to work. Is oh, that, I had them all on the diagnosis murder. You bet. And, and what's your feeling behind that? Is it, clearly you're, you're all for it, but um, I think about it all the time about, you know, I, I think my kids are really talented. I'm happy to do stuff with them. Um, I, I, I never know what the industry thinks about that. You know, I, I got pitched something the other day. I said, I'd love to do it if I could do it with my kid, you know, and I don't know if that was a, a cool thing to say, but did you ever have any pushback on that? No. Fantastic. Not at all. It was on diagnosis murder. Right. Yeah. You know, I signed on to do diagnosis murder. Everybody said, nobody's going to watch you do a straight show. If you're not doing comedy, it ran for 10 years. <laughs> they loved it. They didn't, none of them wanted to be actors, though. Really? Had, Not no. even Barry? They, they enjoyed it, but Barry didn't really. <laughs> really? His heart was never in it. Oh, that's ten, interesting. Ten years. <laughs> so yeah. you sort of dragged them into the family business like yeah. it was an insurance thing. He was good. <laughs> and, He's good. He's good he, on camera. He, he had a good voice and a good yeah. presence, but he just never, it wasn't in him genes. You know, I, I never had one kid who wanted to really be an actor. What Strange. about your parents? Were they supportive? Did they get to see your success? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And were they supportive all the way? or Very were they much so, yeah. Really? Yeah, they didn't try to tell me what to make of myself. They yeah. just let me do it. I had a, my grandmother, Van Dyke, was still alive when Mary Poppins uh, premiered in Danville, Illinois. Uh -huh. And they dressed her up and took her there. <laughs> so, oh, how great. She said, I always knew you'd make it, Dickie. <laughs> well, by the way, you on, on your sketch show that you did, Andy Kaufman, that was his first appearance. Do you remember working with Andy Kaufman? Was that bizarre? And I can come. Oh, yeah. He was a strange one. <laughs> uh, we were out in the hall once <clears throat> talking to the writers about something. Everybody was yelling, and on the floor was Andy was sitting there cross legged meditating. He was a piece of work. Yeah. Did he I'm rehearse? sure that's true. Did he rehearse? Because yeah. I heard he wouldn't rehearse on taxi. No. But he wasn't <laughs> much of a. Really? We just let him go. We gave him his spot, you know. And just let him do it. Yeah. Well, we the plan was he'd always 
interrupt us oh. in the middle of a number. Uh-huh. You know, make us, and we'd say, uh, and walk off. Wow. So, yeah. That show got an Emmy. It did. There you go. <laughs> You Is that one that? of the ones? That's one of the ones on the shelf, my guy. <laughs> you know yes. that person, every time you say the word Emmy, it hurts him a little bit. I have an Emmy. I know, it's daytime. You don't know what it's daytime for. Emmy. Yeah, that's right. I do. It's a daytime. You, you wanna, don't have you, an Emmy for... I'll, I will tell you the story when we're not here, because I don't want to oh. eat time with it. But I have the weirdest Emmy in the world. In the world. You should have all what the Emmys it? for... You really want to know? Yeah. So, um... You know, I was nominated for Seinfeld six or seven times. I've been yeah. nominated for other things. I've never won it. Wow. I did for the website Funny or Die. Yeah. They were doing a series of music videos about racist memes in pop culture. They did one about African-American pop culture. They did one about Asian. And they did one about Jewish. They asked me if I would sing the Jewish one. I said, sure. Now they go, apparently there's an Emmy category for music, comedy, kind of, right? Well, there's never enough yeah. to fill it. So, <laughs> were the only were you the only nominee? They wanted to no. Oh. They wanted to get you know that into the nominees. Now, I guess because nobody, none of the writers were really well known, they added me to the writing list. I'll be there. So I have an Emmy for writing, which I did not do. Uh oh. <laughs> On something that never appeared on TV. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you very much. So it is the most, it's the most bullshit Emmy in the world. But it's, <laughs> but I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Um, I want to go back to more family with you. Your brother, Jerry. Yeah. You were close, both of you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't mean to be disrespectful. Arguably, your career is a brighter star than his. Was yeah. that ever an issue? No, no, Jerry kind of knew it was going to happen somehow. Really? He said they asked me as a kid <laughs> if I wanted to be Dick, and I wasn't listening. <laughs> he was inherently funny. And I can be funny, but the man was just funny inside. He could make wow. me laugh anytime. He was just funny. He never had the greatest material. Oh. <laughs> he got his big break at the, at the, uh, the Flamingo. <laughs> which is number one, got a new tux and everything. He was headlining and he took an upper before he went on and did the whole act. His upper lip stuck to his teeth. did the whole act like that. I was on the floor. Oh, my God. God. Nobody could offer him a glass of water? Just <laughs> Can I run through a couple quick some... things with you, Dick? Wow. Real quick. Johnny Carson almost got the part on the Dick Van Dyke show? It was between the two of us, yeah. Not possible. He's not an actor at all. Well, he doesn't sing or dance either. But well, okay, all right. Okay, all right. You were saved by porpoises. Oh yes, yes, I was. Nobody believes that story. Now on the East Coast, I think dolphins and porpoises are this. Like yeah, the same. it's hard to tell what's what. No, not I, if you're a porpoise, you're going. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? Go on that? So it was. I was working Virginia Beach. My partner and I ran a club, and those were the days of the ten foot. Boards, surfboards. Yeah. I was trying to learn to surf and not doing very well. And I got up beyond the breakers and just, and fell asleep. <laughs> just fell asleep on it. I woke up and I was not in sight of <clears throat> land. Oh my God. I was at sea. So I would just follow, you know, what I thought was the current. And I started bumping in under the thing. And I started seeing these fins swimming around. And I 
I thought, it's over. Yeah. There were dolphins or porpoises, and they would bump up against that thing and push me all the way to shore. Is that amazing? Speaking of that, your birthday. Huh? You didn't know your real birthday for years, correct? No, I didn't. <laughs> I was uh, conceived out of wedlock. Ah. Yeah. There's a word that goes with that. Yes. On the air. <laughs> yeah. And Dirty. my parents went to Missouri for uh, a few months and came <laughs> home and never told anybody. But they never told me my real birthday. <laughs> and one day I was, uh, my mom was doing dishes and I was drying. We were talking. And I said, you know, it was during the war. And I said, I'm coming up 18. I'm, I, I don't want to be drafted. I want to. She said, I have something. You. You're 47. You're, you are. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Skid, yeah. Wow. It's true. It, to this day, Still. I have two birthdays and I get messed up with the. Do you know this? I don't know if you. Mary Poppins was such a profitable film for Disney. It was made for $4.4 million. It net netted $28.5. My the, word. The profit for Mary Poppins allowed Walt Disney to purchase land in Florida and build Disney World. <laughs> Your movie. Probably. Yeah. In order to get that movie done, he he mortgaged his house, borrowed all the money he could borrow to do Poppins. Amazing. And that turned out for him. <laughs> who who played the Uncle Albert? Oh, Ed that Wynn. wonderful Edward. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. He was a sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he would sit and he had a little radio, a little but I never he never listened to it. And one day I just happened to be looking at him. He, Opened it up and there's a little a pint of <laughs> bourbon in there. <laughs> That's where he was hiding the stash. <laughs> and also, this is a good moment to point out that lovely yes. item in front of you. Do you want to tell everybody award. what this is? When uh, you know Julie rightfully won uh, an Oscar for Mary Poppins, I was nominated at one point and didn't get there. But when she got hers, the crew, the movie crew of Mary Poppins, made me this. <laughs> Award. It's the only one in existence. And you know what? If we can, we're going to take a photo of that and put it up on our website because it's really detailed and beautiful. It's a it's a real yeah, work of and art. And I've never shown it before. It this is, is a first. It's, it's fantastic. Now, is it true that they were considering Cary Grant? Sure, that, what? Cary Grant to play in Mary Poppins for that role? I never heard that. That's one. what I'm. That's that would have been very different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> very, very different. So, that, I also turned down a movie with Cary Grant. Really? Oh, yeah. Like I did. Remember, you're you, a lot of, you're a boy, difficult man to book, been, I'm you telling you. had a big career. <laughs> I got a better one than that. My agent called me one day and he said, I had a call from Sophia Loren's manager. She'd like to do a comedy with you. And I said, you know, like, when do we start? Uh, he said, well, I turned it down. I said, you what? <laughs> he said, well, you have to take second billing. I said, I don't care if they mention my name. <laughs> and he said the money was no good. I said, I'll pay them. But he blew it. I wow. never got to work with Sophia, and I uh, never forgave him. So you know what else is cool currently? So I'm but, watching WandaVision. You know WandaVision, that show? Yeah. Okay. Dick was a consultant on WandaVision. On what? On WandaVision, the show that's I, about, that's a retro. They did it in the style of the Dick Van yeah. Dyke show. Oh, and yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they sat with you. To make sure they were getting it right, correct? Yes, that's right. I forgot, I forgot that. How too. about that? Yeah. And you, you kind of pick up things like you after Poppins. I think it was after Poppins. You got interested in this animation mm -hmm. stuff, he and still does it, and you still do this. I'm still yes. doing it. Yeah. I don't know how to work on my VCR, <laughs> and I still have a VCR. Still you, yeah. 
That's a great hobby. Yeah. Oh my god! It's a great hobby. So, do you ever do you show the results, or do you? No, I've never. I just do it for fun. Just Diagnosis for fun. murdered. Yeah. He did. You got a a credit. You did like a motorcycle jump or something. Oh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did a, a motorcycle jump off a cliff. Uh, in it was a diagnosis murder. Yes, and I did do that as a special effect and got it in there. That's kind of special effects. Yeah. I do want to ask you because I've enjoyed, <laughs> and this is the second time I've been able to sit with both of you. This is a very special marriage. I mean, I'm sure you must get kidded about it a lot. But how does, how, what are the joys of this for both of you? I mean, you're clearly, you are a great couple and, and it just takes sitting with the two of you for a minute or two. But how does this work for you? You met under kind of business circumstances. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it didn't just start yes. up like, like that. I have never, I, I have a great respect for women, but I've also scared to death of them. <laughs> uh-huh. I've never hit on a girl in my life. And I was at an award show in the green room and she walked by and something in me, I just got up and said, hi, I'm Dick. And, and hired her. She was a makeup artist. So I hired her and uh, wooed her from there. But I, it was the first time in my life I had the guts, and it was meant to be. We've been together eleven years. We've been married just, eleven, but known I've known you since yeah, two thousand six. It's great. She, she takes good care of me, and we <laughs> sing together all the time. Well, you, you know what you karaoke. you are doing exactly now. My my wife is three years older than me, but mm-hmm. you are doing ex. The two of you seem to have. The age doesn't seem to be a no, thing. I know. Never you are doing exactly what my wife and I do. You play together. You laugh yeah. together. You travel together. Right. You work together. The yin to the yang. If you forget something, she reminds yes. you. If you, you know, it's, it, it's, it, do you ever get bothered by people's first reactions to the two of you? I don't, or, it's like or, they remind, I forget. I really do. And then they'll, they'll do, you know, the typical, oh, whatever gold digger or whatever oh, yeah. and it's like really i mean so the, if you if i feel sorry for you that, that you if that's how there, you right, see right. if you can't see it then i feel like there it's on you because it's like hard to deny or <laughs> whatever we have um is special and people like to be around it and then they i don't know well you know what jason said it coming in that he's got joy and you do you're you can't fake laughing at somebody and enjoying somebody else's experience. And I watch you enjoy his. He enjoys <laughs> yours. And Dick, we've been together for an hour now. And you're right. He's, we're never going to be that guy. Kid, before, <laughs> before I let you go, and I know you're not, you're not really an advice giver because I've asked you a couple no. of times. <laughs> but is there, do you feel that other than just it's who you are, is there a, a particular mantra or an outlook on life that allows you to have this spirit, this fullness, this enjoyment of everything at a time when most people, Dick, they never get there, or if they get there, they're struggling, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you're, and you're, you're a different soul. Is there anything that is, that, that makes that true for you? I don't know. I, I love to laugh. I, I love, love to laugh. It's hard to do something else when you're laughing. That I always got friends around me who had a sense of humor you know who <clears throat> enjoyed themselves i stayed away from uh, people you who were such a, you really are a joy and and you spread so much joy like i said with this guy i love when people smile when they it, you, you, it could be somebody's in a bad mood and they smile same with you everybody here 
this is a studio that sees a lot of celebrities come in. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah, it's okay. You walk in, man, and everybody wants to meet you, wants Isn't to know. Isn't that great? But there's, it's also like touching happiness. It's like but, but like secondary he's, happiness that you... He's definitely you rubbed off. I was more cynical before I met him. And he just makes me always see the, the glass full or half full. And <laughs> That's amazing. Always thing. sing. I never... Yeah. I love singing privately or like on karaoke after a couple. I would never sing in public ever. And I sing all the time now. <laughs> and that, that's. He's magic. Yeah. Well, I want to, I'm going to tell you this one last thing. You probably know this, but you have not only reached ripe old age, you have actually, I think, reached immortality because that man that I introduced you to before we sat down, my son, Gabe, who's 31 years old. When he was two years old, he watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang for the first time. And he became mesmerized by the old bamboo. <laughs> and Gabe had a habit. He did this with Donald O'Connor's Make Him Laugh, too. Yeah. Where the first time he saw it, even though he was two, he kept wanting to watch it. And just that number again and again yeah. and again. And then he would pick up, because we had little props and things in the house. He would pick up oh, a yeah. prop and try and do it. At two years old. <laughs> He would stand in front of our TV set and do the old bamboo with you. Oh, my God. Is that great? And he knows just about everything you've ever done. And he's a new dad. I have a seven-month-old grandson. Oh, so my God. He's exhausted. He's right. <laughs> he said, Mom told me Dick Van Dyke's coming into the studio today? I said, that's right. He went, is there any way it would be okay if I... So that is true of children you will never meet. Yeah. You will be what you have done. And it is the reason why I could tear up when I'm talking I am. to you. <laughs> I think you remember this. You came to see Marty Short and I did the producers here in Los Angeles yes. for almost a year. This is Hollywood. We had celebrities in the audience every night. We were thrilled, but we never acknowledged them. We didn't, you know, it yeah. was like we didn't want to embarrass them. The night that you were at the show, we found out at intermission you were there. And Marty came into my room and he went, we have to. And I went, we absolutely have to. <laughs> and my introduction to you and Marty's introduction to you for that audience was, ladies and gentlemen, we've never done this. We've had, we've had royalty in this audience. We have never done this. But there is a man here tonight who has done everything there is to do in this business, has done it better than anybody else, and it will live for eternity. Please say hello to Dick Van Dyke. And, and that audience, I mean, forget, we had just killed ourselves for two and a half hours. That audience, from having you there and acknowledged, gave you a standing ovation. And I'm not kidding. It went for two minutes straight. Oh, my God. And Why do I remember that part? <laughs> Dick Van Dyke, I'm just going to tell you, the, the, wor the world loves you. And I don't know how many people that can be said of. And on behalf of my childhood, my children's childhood, my grandson's childhood, <laughs> my God. thank you for a body of work that is extraordinary and It was eternal. never work. It was never work. Well, you certainly made it seem effortless, my friend. <laughs> I have to tell you, that you guys did your show with no audience. No, we did we have an audience. audience. We, oh, did. Did. we did have an audience, yeah. I've always admired people who could work without an audience. Yes. We had an audience. I don't know what to do. If yeah. I don't have an audience. We actually did half and half. We, anything we shot outside, 
we didn't have an audience. Yeah. But then anything on a set, oh, you we had a live because we. I was working for stand-up comics, and they wanted to hear those laughs. Yes, you know, yeah. I don't know without an audience reaction how people you work. Bet. You, bet. you have to. We have it's an audience here. You, you have an audience here, and you have a whole new audience because of the podcast. Yeah. By the way, you got a kid from Philadelphia in a row home who never thought he'd be in L.A. who wanted to be in show business because of Rob Petrie. And I remember the episode where you thought you got the wrong baby at the hospital. Oh, yeah. And it was so cutting edge, you went to the hospital, and the couple you thought mixed mm -hmm. up the baby was an African-American couple. Right. <laughs> and nobody's seen that on television either at that time. So That was the longest laugh I've ever, ever? experienced. Bingo. We Bingo. had to cut the cameras. The audience wouldn't stop. You bet. And the network was against us doing that show. They said, nah. Dude, that, I, I, that I, black I, couple walked in, and they exploded. <laughs> I and wanted to for be, minutes. Yeah. I wanted to be in television. And my friend Rick Oakey, who created Major Dad, he said, I used to watch Dick Van Dyke, and his mother used to say, go do your homework. And he'd say, this is my homework. So <laughs> oh, thank, thank you for that. Well, you, you, the impact. You ladies made. and gentlemen, Dick Van Dyke. Dick and Arlene Van Dyke. <laughs> thank you. That was fun. Comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old <laughs> Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. 
We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Well, sir, that was as good as it gets, right? Yeah, he's pretty... I don't know if people listening or watching will get it, but a 97-year-old man who's got to be challenged sat there smiling. It's what you thought he would be. And... Joyous. From the minute he came through the door yeah. of the studio and to the minute, you know, he's gone. It, it's... It, well, listen, he's everything. It's one of those things we were just uh, mentioning the other day about Fred Rogers, and it's one of those things where you go... It can't be. Dude, it can't on radio, be. I was cutting up the fact, you know, because back then, right. then they shock, jockey days, you're cutting him, ha, 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 making jokes. Yeah. And he came in studio, I became a nine-year-old boy. Yeah. Because when somebody is that guileless and it's real, mm-hmm. it, it, it is, it, it, it just takes you over. It's yeah. hard to not, he's so commanding and yet they're so quiet. Hi, Peter, why would you do that? And yeah. oh my God, it was such a wonderful. And I'll tell you a story about him in a second that will tell you what, what he's really just fully like but david any any revelations from uh, our time with mr van dyke and his lovely wife well first of all that was that was amazing it was it was great to just be a part of that but you know it's interesting i was writing an, an intro to this segment and i was going to refer to mr van dyke as an octogenarian but then i realized octogenarian means in the 80s, right? In the 80s. Because generally yeah. I thought that it was like just referred to an old person. So Octo is eight. Octo is yeah. eight. And, and Lena, so yeah. what do you call someone in their 90s? Um, Rare. It's not Sep. Rare. It's not Oc. It, um, it's a, I don't know. It's a nonagenarian. No, non-agenarian. Non-agenarian. That, right, that's right. But that makes it sound like he didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> right, but he, he did. And that sort of got me to think, what are some of the other nonagenarians out there that have yeah. contributed greatly in their okay. 90s? Okay. Tony Bennett, who is actually 96 right now, who wow. was performing and, and doing albums into his 90s. In fact, his latest release, which was 2021's Love for Sale with Lady Gaga peaked at number eight on the U.S. chart. Love for sale. Advertising. Love for sale. I don't know. The, yeah, Who are you? I'm Gaga. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was I'm doing Gaga. Yeah, but yeah. how beautiful is that that she honored him too? Pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, and he okay. apparently adores her. Yeah, that was a yeah, love fest. Yeah. Tony Bennett, we also have one of uh, Mr. Van Dyke's contemporaries, uh, David Attenborough, who is also 97, the uh, British naturalist. The wild, the wild giraffe. Goes to bed, standing up, as do I. I can't wait to see how many impersonations he's going to do of nine I'm years. David Atman. I, I have to do the rich little thing of announcing who I am, so there's no mistake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who else can I do, David? <laughs> well, the, it gets a little more tricky here. Uh, okay. We also have fashion icon Iris Apfel, who... Oh. Iris Apfel! 
Ira Sandfeld, I invented the button. That's pretty good, <laughs> right? That's pretty good. If you've seen right? her, she's a very old lady with giant glasses. Yes. And she, what a character, and she's in yes. ads, fashion ads. Yeah. You bet I am. <laughs> That's right. Now, she, I think I'm doing Harvey Feinstein. Sure. You are, and you yeah. spit something a on little, so A little interesting. She actually right back, now is a, is a centenarian. Because God she's, bless. Yeah, she's 101. No. But in her 90s, she was actually signed as a model by the talent management company IMG at the age of 97. So she was. Uh, I remember her uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit cup. Go on, David. Yes, I believe that was Martha Stewart. But yeah, Martha Stewart. <laughs> that's said, yes, right. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but not not quite not quite in her in her 90s yet. Yeah, we right. have another one, Gladys Burrow who is better known as the gladiator, is the oldest woman ever to finish a marathon at 92. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what her voice sounds like. Right. Sound like and, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. How long did it take her to finish the marathon? Right. It Seven did. days, nine hours. That's exactly yeah, right. right. That's exactly what they said at the at the thing. That's amazing. Though. We also so, now yeah. get this because Jason, I think that this might inspire you. It might inspire you. Yushiro okay. Mura, who is a Japanese mountain climber, became the yep. oldest person to reach the summit of Mount Everest at the age of eighty. But then again, he did yep. it at ninety to find and, his hat. You know, I. Uh, Ten years ago, I might have attempted that imitation, but now it. we'd You're be off here. the air. I thought David would say he he actually climbed Everett at eighty seven, but gets full credit because he didn't come down till ninety two. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's that's very impressive. I I, it's amazing that people don't have this the fear that oh you know what I'm that age. It's like Shatner or, or yeah. that they do stuff and they're not worried that I'm not going to make it. They just yeah. attack the day. It's pretty amazing. I just hope so that we're in thing. our 90s. Well, yeah. that's what I was going to say. I would like, here's my goal after, after what's you know, your, chatting with Dick Van Dyke. I'm a pretty blessed guy. Right now at 63, I feel good. I go to my doctor every year. He goes, you're terrific. There's nothing going on that I'm concerned about. I work out. I, I, my, I have a lovely family. I adore my wife of, of 43 years. Um, I, I think I, I already think I'm kind of an adorable best grandfather, best right? Best, uh, friend, best friends working with my best friend. Yeah, right? Oh, that's uh, so you brought yes, that up. Oh yeah, my God. You betcha. And, and, uh, you know, uh, years ago they said to me, what do you see yourself doing when you're 80? I said, I'm going to be the most adorable grandfather because I'm tiny. I'm bald. Nothing's going to get worse. I have cute stories. I'm an entertainer. That should be good, right? So I keep thinking when I'm, if I'm Knockwood, if I get to be in my 90s, the way both my parents were when they passed, I would like to think that I could be an effervescent, mindful, joyful, contributing, kind, generous person that spreads the kind of goodwill and love that an icon like Dick Van Dyke is able to be and has been all his life. But at, at 97, he is the platonic ideal Can of I joy and grace. It's not going to happen. Anyway, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, wow. 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 I don't want to set your expectations. You're devastated. And what do you see yourself doing at 97? This... <laughs> Calling you saying, where are you? Where are you? Pick God me up. Forbid. You're going to pick me up for lunch. You're if an hour late. Is, if this is what I have to look forward to at 97, 
I'm pulling the plug at 96. You know what? You know what? I'm going to get off your lawn, kind of old guy. Get off the lawn. Get off the Really? No, really. Really? No, really. I'll end the show the way I probably would at age 97. Go ahead. Here we go. Thank you for listening to what is this show? Really, no. Really, really whatever. If you want to watch it again, we come out every what day? Tuesday. Tuesday. Every Tuesdays. Well, you can watch it on the Hard App, the Apple. We'll eat an apple. Wherever you get, whatever you got. Judge. If you're watching it on the tube with a with a U, like it and pick, pick it up so you can watch it again. And then there's a website. I don't know what it's called. Don't know called. how to get there. I don't know how to get there. I've never looked at it. I'm 97. I've never seen My it. I never. People write in. I never go. write back. I want to thank... Lori, uh, she's been dead 10 years. I want to thank David. <laughs> David already, yeah, he doesn't even know who he is either. So, and you... And anybody else work on a show who we can't P remember. What, what's your name? No, really. P Peter, that's right, Peter. Uh, thanks for watching. How sad will this be if that really comes true? If this is, comes true, we are I'm so... I'm a day away. I'm a, yeah, yeah, no, I'm a day away. No, really. Thanks, Mr. Bless, Van Dyke. I'll tell you, oh, one last thing about Dick Van Dyke. This is my parting shot. You ready? I do the movie of Bye Bye Birdie for television. I'm in my 30s, early 30s, 40. I do the, they call, they say, we want you to do the movie of Bye Bye Birdie. I go, sure. I think they're talking about the Paul Lind role. They give me his role. Wow. I play Albert Peterson in the a TV movie of Bye Bye Birdie with Vanessa Williams. I do the movie. I've never met Dick Van Dyke at that point. The next day after it airs, a bottle of champagne and a bouquet of roses winds up at my house. I don't know how he got my address with a card that says, Dear Jason, now I know how to play the part. You are magnificent. Love, Dick Van Dyke. What an amazing guy. That. That's who he is. His grace. And that's why He's this has is, been yeah. special. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.